Step Up Nigeria's podcast. Our podcast is an initiative built to create awareness of government issues that highlight the cost of corruption and its impact on service delivery. Our podcast is also aimed at promoting values that will help build a society of people with integrity and to provide solutions to service delivery challenges faced by everyday Nigerians. My name is Ferami Adeola and I am the host of this podcast. On today's podcast, we discuss the impact of COVID-19 on the education sector in Nigeria, particularly in Lagos State. How did the education sector adequately prepare for this shutdown and what measures are being put in place to continue education and learning even from home? These are the questions we ask Mr. Laulu and Mr. Omi on our podcast. Please enjoy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Step Up Nigeria's podcast. And on this our special podcast episode, we are interviewing some of our partners in the education sector. Our topic for today is the impact of COVID-19 on the education sector in Nigeria. And today we'll be having a discussion with policymakers and educationists from Lagos State. Um, I have with me here my program director, Zainab Haruna, and we have two guests from Lagos State with us today. So we would ask that they kindly introduce yourselves. Mr. Laulu, please. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, my name is Laulu Akpara. I am the administrator of Association for Formidable Educational Development, AFED. Um, we are associations of low fee paying um, private, primary, and secondary schools. And our office is at Lagos. Um, the association is created to give support to school owners that operate within. The, um, with a limited amount of money, 50,000 naira, actually, annually. Those who pay 50 or less thousand naira as school fees. Thank you very much, Mr. Ali. Uh, Mr. Oni, please. Good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Oni Abodure, uh, a director in the Ministry of Education, Education District 4, Sabo, here in Lagos and also is principal of Apapa Senior High School, Apapa Lagos. And um, that means I represent the public sector, at least as far as this podcast is concerned, because I belong to the public sector, and I also manage public school for now, and public uh, students. Thank you very much, sir. Um... So I'll get right into the discussion. When Nigerians first, have, first heard of the coronavirus disease, um, none of us could have at any point expected that we'll be nearing almost 5,000 cases in less than three months. Um, no one could have been prepared for the lockdown procedures and the ensuing closure of all schools nationwide. Um, and we know this has indeed caused a major disruption in the academic calendar for both primary, secondary, and universities across the nation. Um, so we want to know how has the coronavirus pandemic and the ensuing lockdown affected education in Lagos states? And what challenges have you faced? Uh, Mr. Laulu, you can go first, please. Thank you very much, Fermi. Um, everybody knows that the coronavirus pandemic has affected education in Lagos states. That is a fact. That does not need contention. And um, the challenges that comes with it is the fact that we were not prepared for it. That is number one. Number two is that we have an educational system 
that has to do with teacher interacting with students in an environment. That has been the education system we operate. So when the pandemic came and it disrupted that arrangement, of course, education totally goes down. And there is something that I, I like about Lagos State Government and their proactiveness about it. They have um, online teaching, they have radio teaching, they have television teaching, and it's something that I've appreciated much. But the question is this, what are these children learning through these means? So we're sure that already is either they are learning or they are just being reminded that they are supposed to learn. That is what we are having. For anyone to look at what is going on now and say, we're going to base our education on this, I, don't, I see it as a joke. Because one, we were not prepared for it. It was a crash program quickly so that our children doesn't stay at home. And as far as I'm concerned, I see it as a reminder that you are still learning. It's just that there is a problem that we cannot go to the classroom for now. I think that's what I see about the uh, effect of the coronavirus on the log and the lockdown. Okay, thank you so much. I quite appreciate the fact that Mr. Laolu, my partner here, mentioned one fact that uh, is a way of you know reminding students that they are still learning, that learning is still in progress. Really, you see, it came it, like you said, it was it came suddenly, and the fact that it came suddenly it makes it it made us unprepared. We we were not ready for it. We are actually preparing, as far as public school is concerned, to go on second time examination, precisely to start 23rd of March. And that 23rd of March, we were, we were told that we start staying at home from that day. Hence, it's so, the one, one of the challenges that we could not even finish the, uh, the, the second term curriculum because part of the curriculum is examination. We could not finish it. You see, it's still stagnated for now. And um, going by means, looking from the point of view of the pandemic now, it also sh shows some of the inadequacy, let me put it that way, quote and unquote, on the part of the practice practitioners and the policymakers. About, you see, I've been have, having the opportunity of going out of the country, visiting schools, you know, interacting together, you know, learning, get, getting their best practices, bringing it back here and things like that. And you see, they are, they are, being, they, they, they are already on the top of the whole thing. But here, everything that we ought to have put in place, we are not in place. Maybe because of you know, our peculiar nature. Well, I, can, I, don't, I, can, I can't say. Maybe because of the peculiar nature of our Nigerian being who we are. But you see, one, one fact that still remains is that the Lagos State government actually rose up to that challenge. And part of what was put in place was to ensure that continue learning is does it doesn't stop. You know, how do how do I mean like Wazobia television and um, radio between the hours of two and three every day, there is a lesson, a topic, a subject going on at a particular point in time. But you see, the fact remains that. Even that so that thing is, is put in place, even the ministry is also uh, organizing a, a virtual learning, organizing a meetings, seminars, even for staff as well. You see, the fact remains that these students, when we are interfacing one-on-one -on -one in the class, they are not there. Now, want to now say, want to interface through uh, internet, 
How do we control that? It's a big challenge. It's a very, very big one anyway. Because then another thing that may also, that is also a challenge to that kind of uh, learning is uh, electricity. Internet is there. We were not prepared for it. It just came suddenly. And it's just like it was mumble jumble together. But you see, for the fact that something come out, came out out of nothing by that arrangement of um, um, teaching through uh, the use of um, television and radio, it was a why, I mean, a welcome development. I mean, that's still in the right direction. You see, for now, in Lagos states now, there are policies now that are being put in place, packaged together, to ensure that as we are resuming now, we will now focus more on how to intensify, how to build that structure up in the system and embed it in the regular one that we are having now so that the two, you know, goes together. And once the data can be, can go together, we will not be, I mean, we will leverage more on the use of internet, the use of um, teaching through online, you know, using different um, platform and channels, even while interfacing one-on-one -on -one in the school. Thank you for your responses. And you've both already jumped into um, parts of my next question. But in terms of answering, I would like uh, maybe from Mr. Laudu's perspective, um, what have private schools and also in particular affect schools put in place to sort of um, stop gap cushion this effect on children's learning? And then Mr. Oni can pick up on the practical things that the government has done to ensure continuity of education at this time. So, Mr. Laulu, thank let's you, go um, Concerning your question, one of the stop gaps we put in place is first to educate the school owners. Because a school owner who is used to a structure and now the structure has been disrupted, needs to learn how to do it with the new arrangement. So first of the first thing we did was to train the school owners on one, how you can use a WhatsApp to, to interact with your students, how you can get their parents to pass the um, what we call assignment to them so they can do the assignment, then submit back to their parents. Uh, so we, we were training our members on that. And then one of the things we also put in place is that, you know, AFED always, we have uh, partners with foreign organizations who want to come and invest in education in Nigeria. But uh, our policies, the, the contradiction between our policies and our, uh, our, between our policies and the reality is always scaring them. You know, when they come to Nigeria, they come having knowledge of all our education policies and not the rest. When they come to Nigeria, they, they discover that those policies and those things they came with are not in um, consistent with the actual happening in Nigeria. So we have such people. So one of the things that happened was that many of those people who have established um, what do I call established um, internet classrooms gave it they gave us a platform free of charge. So some of our members who can afford it, we put them on it. So the teachers, the students can use the platform to learn. That's one of the those are few things we have been able to do during this time. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Ms. Downey, please. Ah, yes. Thank you so much. Uh, Ms. Alalu has actually said something worthwhile. Now, <clears throat> the, the thing is, what are the measures, things that have been put in place in terms from the government side that eventually we see come to be? 
Uh, you see, the, for now, government is, aside from the teaching and learning which has been put in place to ensure that during, during this, this period that there is partial lockdown or complete lockdown, whichever, learning is still I mean, taking place. By the time the government, I mean, okay, part of what has been also put in place is that is to ensure that even each schools come up with a, with a platform to reach their students, most especially the terminal students, terminal class students. You remember that WIAC now is now on hold, NECO is on hold, and you see, this student will still be exposed to examination. They will still go through examination, either we like it or not. And actually, that was the reason, the main reason why the television and the radio program were put in place, basically for those in terminal classes, so that things continues, both uh, primary six, GS3, SS3. Now, the government is looking into this critically now, that how are they going, how are we going to use technology to really drive teaching and learning in school by the time we come in. Even though uh, some teachers are already, you know, they've already embedded technology in their, in their own classrooms, but it's not widely, you know, done as far as the state is concerned. You will remember that sometimes ago, be not too long ago anyway, recently, uh, before this uh, COVID issue started, the, the the Mr. Governor has actually, you know, launched some set of uh, teachers with the use of tablets, where they are going to use in the classrooms. The students are also going to use it and things like that. But you see, the big question, like Mr. Lawley said, we have many people in the rural areas now. Now, one, electricity. How do you go to power it? Two, internet. How is it going to be? But you see, this COVID stuff has taught us that we can do a lot outside that. And that's what the policy is out to support now. Yeah. Thank you very much, sir. Um, good to know that these discussions are actually happening and that um, some proactive steps are being taken. Um, Zainab, I wanted to quickly just pull you into the discussion. From um, a viewer's standpoint, you know, some of the issues he raised, like power, um, people in rural communities are love for paperwork and things like that. Um, are there any challenges that you can foresee um, that virtual learning would, would pose all of a sudden to both public and private schools? Um, thanks, Fermi, um, and thank you all very much for the contributions so far. I think one of the most important things that they've talked about, which, which is recurring and which I'm trying to focus on, um, is the fact that there is a digital divide, um, and that's not is not only restricted to Nigeria, it's, you find it everywhere, even in Silicon Valley, which is considered like the center of, you know, the internet and, you know, um, digital innovations and things. Um, so for low income households, you find that um, people in low income households don't have access to the internet. Um, and so when we're looking at beyond the coronavirus pandemic, and we're looking at how we can make our education system more resistant to sort of like these kinds of challenges, these kinds of attacks, so that when things happen, let's say for instance, even after the coronavirus, maybe there's a riot for instance, or there's some unrest of some nature and students have to stay at home to ensure that they are safe. Um, it would be fantastic if they, while they're at home, they can continue learning. So putting this in place but there is still the problem of the digital divide there is still the problem of electricity and even if parents have for instance maybe a parent has access to 
one smartphone, for instance, maybe one of the parents has a smartphone, there is still the problem of, you know, getting data to be able to access the internet, right? And data is not cheap. And we understand and that um, quite a lot of families, we're having this conversation with the back, in the background that Nigeria has the highest number of people who live in extreme poverty in the world. So all of this has to come into context when we're having these conversations. Um, and for me, for me, um, I would be really interested in seeing how perhaps the radio programs and TV programs can be scaled because no matter how poor people are, even the even the um, the simplest um, mobile phones have radios installed in them. Um, so radio has a larger reach than you know smartphones and all of those and and um, digital um, connections. So it would be interesting to see. I, I foresee that, and I don't have the answers. And I think the education people in the education policy space are going to have a lot of um, challenges to surmount. There's going to be a lot of back back and forth. But I would I think that um, it would be great if they could have people. Um, people from different backgrounds coming in and contributing to this conversation. So let's hear from, let's say, for instance, Mr. Laolu is sitting in the room. He can speak for poor families who don't have access to, you know, these kinds of things and bring in their own realities. So when we are developing solutions going forward, it would be good to have all of these kinds of input so that when we are building something, it's it's um, it's not going, I don't think that there's a simple answer to this problem, but we need to have like a more inclusive answer that sort of takes everybody's realities in when we are trying to build um, beauties. For me, that's just um, what I'm picking up. And I don't think the answer is easy at all. Mm. Thank you, Zainab. Um, so that brings me to um, where, you know, Mr. Lala and Mr. Oni can probably just wrap up their thoughts. So we've, we've, we've noted that there are challenges and we've pointed those out. And we've also noted the steps that are being taken. Um, and like both of you have said, Nigeria wasn't prepared for this. So what lessons do you think the education sector and particularly low-cost private schools and the government can learn from the effects of this pandemic on schools? What are the lessons, what are the takeaways from this and what do you think are solutions going forward? First far, the pandemic, COVID pandemic has really uh, gave us a very good lesson, a very good lesson to learn from. Even though some might see it as a challenge, you see, to every challenge, the, the outcome of every challenge is a better person. And that's the truth of the matter. It only, it will help us to see that the rate at which, or the level of which, at which we run ICT, using ICT to run our education system, or teaching and learning in the classrooms, is not good enough. So we now go back to the drawing board and see what, government is going to do to ensure that uh, all these facilities are fully running in schools. That's one. Then two, though we have subjects that has to do with uh, the technology like computer studies, data processing and stuff like that, but still, it was still based on theoretical aspects. Most of these students doesn't know anything, except when they use their smartphone to do Facebook and their social media. But you see, government is now looking at how we can you know, use the social media now, turn it to learning platform. For example, uh, schools have been instructed to make use of these channels, these different platform, and build it up to the extent that it will be useful 
to the students much more than running it as a social uh, platform for, 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 the, for which they use themselves. So that's one. Then it's also a part of the good lesson that I has taught is that, well, we need to also improve on online teaching. Seriously, one of the one, one, one of the structure that had been in place before, but with which we are not, you know, you know, taking full advantage of is EduPack. You see, there is an EduPack system in schools. This system we use it to generate the students' performance. We use it to generate a lot of things. But now with this pandemic, now we are now taking full advantage of it. How? We will still use it to reach out to parents. So parents can now download the students' performance at home. So the parents can, can link the school through this platform fully. I will be able to inter interface on this platform without coming into the school. That's another thing which the school system is trying to build on now to ensure that it is running. Then um, even in the classrooms now, We've been also being instructed through policy that the moment the school opens now, more of our activities will be online based, driven by driven online. Knowing fully well that well, like we said, underlying factor, electricity and um, internet. But we believe that the Ministry of Education is up to the task because there is, a, there is a department in the ministry that is working on the connectivity of schools to ensure that internet is provided in all schools. Aside from the, the one the, 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 the school can't you know, provide, government is trying to also install in schools all these facilities to ensure that it is running. It is not only the education sector that should learn. It is Nigeria that you learn. Reading, um, that's a, what, what do you say? Um, there's a way I want to put it, which, which makes it more better. That is uh, numeracy and literacy learning. It's not, we are now beyond that. I see parents measuring student outcome by the way they can speak English, what they can read, the letters they can identify. By now, somebody yeah. should let us know that education is beyond that. And for us to be able to do that, we must have these three years planning whereby somebody is interested in the learning outcome of a child. A child who lives in nursery one, two, three, and KG going to primary one, what has that child learned? Who is taking care of that? Either private, public, you understand what I'm saying? Either it's a private um, school or a public school. Now, the one who is going from primary one to three, like from primary three to four, going to upper, upper primary, what has that child learned? The one who is going from primary six to secondary, the only thing we have right now is um, Lagos State uh, placement exam, which tests only numeracy and literacy. That's all. They don't test even the value of the child. What is the value of this child at primary six to himself, to the school, and to the society? Nobody is testing that. You understand what I'm saying? We are all interested in A, B, C, D, what is your score in this, what is, and that has created some kind of. Um, some kind of, uh, let's say, this rush after certificates. And you find out that even people go to university today to get just certificate, not the skill or the knowledge. And that is one thing that this pandemic must teach us. One, it is no more about whether a child can speak, read, or write. It is whether that child is educated and is useful to himself and the society. That is number one. Number two, by now, I am surprised that uh, we're still hearing that uh, this one is possible, that one is not possible. 
as far as we are concerned, if we had had the resources and if we had had the government backing, we have enough technology. One of the things I learned, they were teaching our teachers on how to take, how to um, teach the children, how to transfer knowledge, was that they are not interested in this, our writing on the board and all the rest. No. Each child uses his own, his or her own head to create the event, the, um, what, what is it called? The, the outcome of what the teacher wants to learn. So each child is involved in what is being taught. Do we have that in Nigeria? No. Hey, I read to you, you read back to me, I set the exam, you, you write it and pass. This thing has taught us that is no more working. And we must look at that. We, and if we want to do it, we just have to look at the whole thing, like Zen have said the other time. It is not just looking at it from private sector, public sector, uh, NGOs, or anything. It is now time for us to sit down and set our future right. There's a question you skipped here, and there's something I noted down under that question. Did you see what happened in suburb areas in Lagos during the pandemic? It amazes me because that shows you that is where our education has failed. That's number one. Number two, do you see the amount of misinformation going around on the internet, Facebook, WhatsApp group, and all the rest? That shows you the decadence in our education. If we had had a very good education, those things should not even appeal to a primary school student because they don't make sense. Because we don't have education. And these are the things that this pandemic has taught us. And um, after this pandemic, there are two things I would like to suggest to government. One, there should be independency of the students, whether in public or private sector. The independency of the students should be there and they should be made, uh, uh, materials should be made, materials and matters should be made available for these students to be individually, um, how do I say, self-learning, when the child can learn by themselves. Thank you very much, sir. Um, yeah, I was. I just want to quickly chip in here, um, and um, I'm interested in what Mr. Laolu is saying. But I also want to hear. So, Mr. Laolu is speaking from from the private sector perspective, um, but I want to hear from Mr. Oni on what he thinks because I think. Um, so, what you're proposing is let's use this pandemic as sort of like a, a launch board. Um, or a launch pad to pivot our education system, to change the outcomes. So an education system that is driven towards outcomes rather than just children writing tests um, and tailoring it to our own reality so that we can see that children leave the education system and become like really productive into society and are changing the economy and things like that. But from the public sector side, how easy is it? I know that most of these things take a long time and it's not very easy to initiate changes. And of course, because of the way Nigeria is structured, you can propose things at the state level, but it will not really have an effect at the national level. And then even if things come from like the national level coming down to state, it takes also a long time for states themselves to implement. Um, a few states might do it and then other states won't do it. So I just wanted to hear from Mr. Oni what he thinks around what kinds of challenges and his thoughts really around the possibilities of what Mr. Mr. Laolo has proposed. How possible is this? And what would we be looking at for this to happen? Thank you so much, um, Zainab. What Mr. Laulu said is still very much relevant. But you see, the the issue in this in this public sector now is we are not we are not teaching to teach and pass exams, or we are not teaching to teach and just have certificates now. We are building up skills in this in these learners. 
When we say we are building skills, what are the skills that is required of them that can make them to function outside the school, irrespective of the certificate or not? And that is one thing we are doing. Now, the use of, like I said, that not too long ago, Mr. Governor, you know, through the SUBEB, you know, launched some uh, launched some teachers into the use of uh, tablets in the classrooms with the learners and things like that. We are all the subjects are already embedded in it. And I also want to mention at this point in time that even the AUT has also gone ahead to do sim to do similar thing now. And that's, that tells us that within this within the system we are in in Lagos, we are actually you know like you know being on on, on on top on top of that because we realize that we cannot just afford to teach students for certificate purposes alone, but rather teach them to have a skill on how they can impact the society after all said and done. Thank you very much, Mr. Laulu and Mr. Oni. Really interesting conversation. We didn't even intend to keep you this long, but we have. Uh, so thank you very much for your contributions. Um, we hope that, you know, when we air this podcast and, you know, other states and policymakers, even international community, as they listen, some of the thoughts and ideas you've brought up and implemented. And I really do agree, Mr. Laulu, that there needs to be an overhaul of the way we think as okay. a um, an overhaul of the way we approach education. And like Jenab has said, there has to be a meeting where all all stakeholders are at the table so that the different angles and different points will be raised and then they can be in the approach towards improving the um, education system. Um, so just to close, um, for our listeners, if they want to follow the activities of AFED, is there like a website or social media that they can easily access your information? If there is, please. Um, no. Yes. If you want to know more about AFED, you can go to www.afednigeria.org. We are also on Facebook, AFED Nigeria, and we are on Twitter, at AFED Nigeria as well. So you, you can see all our, activity, all our activities there. Thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate you. Thank you so okay, much. Okay, thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Bye. Bye. Thank you for watching today's podcast episode. We hope that the issues raised by Mr. Laulu and Mr. Oli stir up discussions in policy making um, dialogues and in situation rooms across all our states and especially Lagos State because that's where they're from. Hopefully some of the solutions and points that they have raised will improve um, the learning from home education of students in Lagos State and in Nigeria as a whole. Thank you.